If you're looking for a cool hunting and fishing book series for a young reader, we found it. It's the award-winning book series called Lucky Luke's Hunting Adventures by author Kevin Lovegreen. These books are based on true adventures and are sure to captivate even the most reluctant readers. I mean, what outdoor-loving kid doesn't want to read about hunting and fishing? And they are AR-rated so your kids will get credit for them at school. These books are perfect for kids in kindergarten to sixth grade. You can check them out at kevinlovegreen.com. Trust me, your kids will thank you. On a personal note, we have this series and we absolutely love them. My boys Ransom and Valor eat these books up and I think your kids will love them too. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. All right, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I am excited to interview a gentleman that I met a few years, I guess not years, but months back, just via Instagram, I think. He was a follower of the podcast and listener and just reached out and just been talking to him here and there about several different things. But it's my buddy, Bo Hutches. Bo, how you doing, man? Doing well. Glad to be here. Well, good deal. We'll, we'll get to know you here in just a bit. Let me go ahead and pray, and then I'll ask you some questions. Father, we thank you for this time, and I ask that you lead this discussion as we talk about secondary income, as we talk about um, just the pastor in having some side work and developing, developing some things on the side. Give us uh, wisdom. I'm, I'm eager to learn from Bo, and I'm thankful for just uh, the little that I know of him and, and the man he is. I'm thankful for uh, just being able to talk to him today. And so I just trust you're going to lead our discussion. Point us to Jesus. I trust you will. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Bo, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us about your family and then what it is that you do. And then I did see that you just made a you're a pretty crafty guy as well. You just made a crib for your son that's going to yep. be born soon. So tell us about that too. Just brings up speed on who you are. Yes, sir. So my name is uh, Bo Hutchess. Um, I'm an associate pastor at a church called Living Water Bible Fellowship in Alamosa, Colorado. Alamosa is uh, about a small town, about 8,000 people, and we're about three and a half hours south of Denver, if you're familiar with Colorado. Um, so I'm an associate pastor here on staff at the church, and kind of my some of my main responsibilities are know, connecting uh, people to discipleship opportunities, so small groups. I have a lot to do with um, the kids ministry um, and connect with the youth leaders and just various types of uh, leaders who are involved in um, discipleship settings. Um, So that's some of my main responsibilities here at the church. Um, I have the opportunity to preach every once in a while, to teach, uh, be involved in various ways on Sundays, whether it's, you know, leading the Lord's Supper, um, playing on the worship team, whatever the case is, um, just try to, try to, you know, be useful wherever, wherever the Lord has me. So that's kind of what I do here at the church. And uh, my wife is Jenna. We've been married for about a year and a half now, uh, married for about a year and a half. And our first son is going to be born um, pretty soon um, within, you know, one to four weeks. It's looking like, Um, so yeah, it's, it's coming up, coming up pretty soon. Um, so we're just kind of the anxiety's growing, you know, every day, every week, you know, kind of yeah. when that when that time to the, the rush of the hospital is going to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's who I am. And um, got a little bit of a side gig going with some construction um, on the side. And uh, yeah, so Good. that's me. Good. OK, a couple things. Are they going to let you in the hospital when Jenna goes in for having the baby with the labor? Are you going to be able to be there? Or are they going to have to keep 
keep you out. I'm, I'm working through that stuff, thinking through things in Illinois and they're just keep, they're keeping dads out of the hospital rooms and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. How's that going, going down out there right now with you? Yeah. So fortunately I do get to be in there um, for the birth. Um, I haven't been able to attend some of the, the appointments recently, you know, but I will okay. get to be there for, for the birth. Just, just no extra family members in the visiting room and all that okay. stuff, unfortunately, but I'll be there. So that's, that's good. Good. Okay. So you were telling me before we started recording about the canoe trip that you and your brother went on, flipped the yep. canoe and all that fun stuff, but yep. you said you had three brothers. So you come from a family of brothers and you're having a son. So that's, yep. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of males in our family for sure. So I'm, I wasn't really surprised that uh, we're having a son. Yeah. Okay. Now do your brothers, are they older or younger and do they have kids? <laughs> are they boys or girls? Nope. So I'm the oldest. Um, right. I'm 27. My, the next brother is 26. The next one is 23. And the next one is 17. Man, um, so I'm the only one married and the only one that's having kids, but uh, hopefully someday the Lord will provide them wives and children. And uh, yeah. yeah, so awesome. that's cool, man. our boys are five and two. And so they're just separated, you know, by a couple of years, but it's neat. Yep. Here are brothers that get along and have fun. That's that's really cool. Okay, so the reason I wanted to have Bo on is because just we we had both read a book by C.R. Wiley. I got to interview C.R. Wiley a few months back. Now it's probably been six months. Time flies. You can find that just through the podcast stream. Really enjoyed having that conversation with him. But I think that may have been the way that you and I connected. I think we connected a little bit before that. But we had read his book, Man of the House, and I was reading it after you, but that book is so formative in understanding passive income, productive property, mm-hmm. understanding life as a pastor and having things on the side to be able to do as well. And really it's a, it's a robust understanding of co-vocational ministry. It's not just yeah. a um, kind of a sloppy bivocational ministry where I'm, I can, I'm just doing whatever I can to get by. It's a very right. intentional approach at yeah. uh, building income and, and thinking for the future and planning for the future and, doing that in a Proverbs like, like way, you know, through, through just being guided by the Lord and guided by God's word. So you had said to me that you had started a construction business on the side and I was just interested to talk to you about that. And so why don't you kind of lay out the beginning stages of, you know, how you got into construction, how you kind of, what motivated you? I mean, I know that book played a part, but how you got to the point where you started the side gig here for, you know, the side hustle that you got going on with uh, Bo Hutch's construction or whatever it's called. So yeah, yeah. bring your feet on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So my, my construction background kind of begins back in high school. Um, you know, every, every uh, student in high school tries to find a summer job. And, um, you know, my parents just happened to recommend that there was a, there was a local guy hiring um, just construction workers for concrete, you know, for, <coughs> excuse me, for uh, forming up concrete, pouring concrete and finishing. You know, I started that, I, th- I think when I was a sophomore between my sophomore and junior years. And I really did that, you know, from all through high school, when I would come back, uh, back home from college, I would do that, you know, so it really just, it was just a consistent thing every summer, go back to pour concrete. Right. Um, had Hard a super, work. It's good yeah, work. absolutely. Absolutely. Had a super great relationship with the boss there. And, and we still, um, you know, stay in touch. We were just at a baby shower for my wife and he showed up with his wife, you know, so we still have a really That's great cool. relationship, which is cool. Um, but that really laid the, laid the foundation, um, no, no pun intended with concrete work. Um, <laughs> but it really did lay a foundation, you know, for manual labor. Um, and it was just, it was fun. It was fun to be able to go and build something and to walk away and to point to that and to say, you know, I had a hand in doing that, you know, so that was just really fun. Um, I go through college, I graduate, not really sure what I wanted to do after college, you know, 
Um, I got a degree in, in something kind of obscure, um, physical geography. Um, and I, I knew I didn't really want a career in that, but I was already kind of too far in into my four year degree to kind of change something up. Right. Um, so there's a guy here in town, one of my one of my buddies, uh, stepdads, and he does garage doors, just an installation and, and, and marketing and selling and stuff. Um, so after college, I, I installed garage doors for about a year and a half. And then after that year and a half, I stepped on here at the church. Um, and as I've, I've been in the ministry, you know, obviously I've been very thankful to have the opportunity um, to be hired as I think I was just 23 years old to be hired, you know, on staff at a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always kind of felt the tension of like, man, I, I, I love the ministry. Um, it's fun to be able to study. It's fun to be able to do these different skills. But I really do. I did really did miss, you know, manual labor. And I really did miss some of those, those skills that were um, just a part of my life for so long. Right. So I always, you know, there was people in the congregation who needed help on projects and I would help out on um, really not for income sake, but really just for my own kind of uh, personal fulfillment, you know, to mm-hmm. get back and, and do construction again. Um, and then um, so I always kind of felt that tension. You know, I've been been at this church for four years and always kind of the tension of I really miss manual labor. I really miss working with my hands. But I also you know, believe the Lord has called me to ministry. Mm-hmm. And then um, just feeling that tension for a long time and then stumbling ac- across C.R. Wiley's book and just, and I think he calls it like a handbook, you know, for young men you yeah. know, to establish a household. And it really was, there's just so much, so much there that, that answered a lot of questions for me, um, kind of put words to what I had been feeling, you know, about productive property, about bringing income and, you know, especially coming from a pastor. I think that was really telling that yeah. hey, he was, he was able to do this and he's still able to do you know, something like this, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible. I don't have to kind of make this, this um, distinction between it's either ministry or it's this, mm-hmm. you know, he was able to find harmony and do both really, really well. Yeah. So it was just really inspiring to me. And there's just a local um, construction guy that I've got to know over the past couple of years. He doesn't go to our church. Um, he goes to a different church, but he's just a, a solid, solid dude. And he's kind of a mentor to me. You know, we used to meet up and, and grab breakfast and just, I've been over to his house several times. And um, one time we were just grabbing breakfast. This was back in the fall. And uh, I just, I just said, Hey, you know, I've been reading this book. It's really super good. And uh, if you guys ever need help with construction, like, you know, feel free to let me know. Mm -hmm. And uh, as it happens, him and his brother started this business and his brother actually left the business to do something else. So he was actually in a place where he needed a lot of help. Okay. So it really worked out pretty well. And uh, I kind of just helped him out on one, one project throughout the winter. And he came to me and said, Hey, like, if we want this to be more of a, more of kind of a relationship, why don't you start your own business? And then we'll just kind of subcontract you on some of the, the projects we need help on. Man. So instead, of, instead of making you an employee, so I don't have to pay tax, I don't have to pay insurance. You know, why don't you just make your own business and we'll, we'll call you when we need help and subcontract you. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And I've been working pretty closely with him, you know, ever since, the business, I started it in January, um, been helping him since the fall and have continued to help him, you know, over the past several months. Um, so picked up, picked up some more jobs kind of on the way. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, uh, kind of how it started now, and where it's at now. Now schedule wise, how does that work? Because you got a job and you got a contract with a, with a homeowner or with this guy and you've got deadlines when things have to be done, but you're also, you know, working with the children's minister or you're working with, you know, you have all your responsibilities at church. So Walk us through what your schedule looks like then when you're doing, how, how do you do those things well and yep. not neglect one or the other? Yep. Yeah. Really good question. Um, so when, when things were normal, you know, when there wasn't all this coronavirus stuff, 
the way that we kind of schedule our staff is we have, <clears throat> we have Fridays off. We do Monday through Thursday. Um, and we had Fridays off. And at the time, you know, he was really only needing a guy for like one or two days. Okay. So we was working pretty well. I could come to the church and put my hours in uh, Monday through Thursday here and then work, work for him on Friday and maybe even a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was really, really nice. And um, <clears throat> uh, on the project we're, we're working on now, we're, we're building a house, you know, from the floor up. So we're doing a lot of the work. And he's the the general contractor, so really, all the kind of pressure for deadlines and stuff is on him. Okay. When he needs like an extra hand, because <clears throat> um, him and his son, who kind of run the business, so when he, he needs an extra guy, he'll call me up, and I'll just kind of be a laborer, you know, okay. for that day for the most part. Um, so it's been working well, you know, and and in this coronavirus stuff, I've I've been more freed up to be able to dedicate some more time, you know, to the business, just because you know churches have been closed and we mm-hmm. haven't been able to to really minister you know in that full capacity like we're like we usually were used to right um, so yeah <clears throat> okay so now what's your plan now that you're now what's your son's name going to be charles charles okay so now now uh chuck's coming along yep uh now is he going to be called chuck probably what not till college somebody will start calling him college. <laughs> yeah we got some we got some name variations you, you, you can go charlie you can go charles you can go yep. chuck uh-huh. so i'm sure all yeah. those will be used more, you know? Yeah. His buddies or his future <clears throat> or something will, will yep. call them what they want. But uh, so yep. Charles is coming along now. What for you and your wife, as you guys have been thinking through this, what, what safeguards have you put in place or how are you thinking through how to maximize all, all, I mean, you're going to be home in the evenings. Do you have a, a, a schedule where, you know, if, if you have four evenings a night at home, that's what it is for my wife and I is that we have to have at least four evenings a week where we're home. Um, And and with the coronavirus, obviously that's, that's typical, but it's just, I mean, non-typical just because it's been such a unique season, but for you guys now adding Charles into the family, how are you going to be working through that when things get back to normal with the virus settling down and and all of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, You know, we have, we've done a pretty good job in our marriage to kind of almost um, without really having to like, Hey, we got to find time this week. We really kind of do find time pretty naturally, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with, with Charles coming along, I think it's going to take some, a little more, you know, extra intentionality to schedule those times for sure. Okay. You know, but we've kind of committed to <clears throat> just staying local, trying to stay local, you know, to not be traveling all over the place with the new baby and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, my parents don't live in this town, either her parents you know, so we're really trying to commit ourselves to try to stay real, real local as much as we can, okay. you know, because, and this is one of the reasons is because, you know, she's, she's going on maternity leave from her job and they don't, they don't have uh, you know, uh, paid maternity leave. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, so it's going to be all on, all on my income, you know, so there's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm thankful I have this opportunity to have income from the church, but also from the business, you know, <clears throat> so we definitely committed ourselves to, to staying local, um, and uh, kind of focusing ourselves here, you know, so yeah. we're not going to be just run all over the place. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we like I said, we don't, ha- we haven't really had a marriage where we need to schedule those times. Mm-hmm. But we have talked about like, hey, we need to try to schedule a date night, you know, every couple yeah. weeks with Charles. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to try to be intentional and do those types of things. You know, and there's, there's, you were, you know, with, with new parents, you know, you're just kind of going off into uncharted territory, you know, so as we as we kind of see what the, what things are like with, with Charles, we'll kind of bob and weave and, um, yeah, do some stuff and change, change where we need to change. And gotcha. Um, yeah. So, okay. so the generator, the decade of the twenties is typically when, uh, men and women get themselves in a lot of financial trouble. And then when they're 31, they go through a financial peace university class and they kind of like take a big gulp and realize, Whoa, we, 
did a lot of damage trying to keep up with the Joneses or yeah. whatever it may be through our 20s. And then the 30s becomes the decade where it's just catch up. It's catch yep. up. There's envelopes full of cash everywhere and they're snowballing all their debt and all, you know, really good things. But you've somehow avoided that, done the opposite, and you're starting to plan. And, you know, if, if people can get things right in the 20s, that decade will end up that, I mean, what will end up happening is that planning in your twenties compared to planning in your thirties and forties. I mean, when you're talking about uh, interest, even getting, getting ahead in investments in your you know twenties, when you're 25 rather than 35, you're talking about massive payoff when you're 60 to 65 because of those 10 years, five years of investing rather than blowing money through your twenties. Right. So, like long-term you've got this business and ministry What as the, you know, um, as the Lord wills, you know, not making the mistake that James calls us to avoid. What's your plans then with, with ministry and with this uh, side business? Are you wanting to do this kind of parallel for the next 20, 30, 40 years? What's your, what's your long-term plan if uh, the Lord continues to give you health, health, long life and all that? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's, it's uh, <clears throat> something that's been on my mind. You know, I, I kind of started this business, you know, not as like, you know, some people start businesses, you know, it's their dream. You know, and this one was just kind of, hey, an opportunity presented itself, and this seems to be the best way forward, so we're going to go for it. You know, so I, I think I'd like to, you know, in some form or fashion, always be involved in, you know, some other type of um, activity, passive income on the side of ministry. You know, whether that's whether that's a construction business or whether that's whatever the case is, you know. So really, I think we're just going to kind of have to reevaluate, just evaluate each year, you know, as mm-hmm. this goes along, because, you know, as as we have more kids, you know, Jenna's going to have to come home from work um, and, and be, you know, a full-time homemaker and staying at home, you know, and I think it would be advantageous for me to have something on the side, you know, mm-hmm. so we'll see, man. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, maybe doing something like this for 10 years, yep. um, 20, 30 years, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of pushing it out there, okay. you know, but hopefully by that point, as if I, you know, commit myself to this and stay in this, I'll have enough, you know, capital to, do something else, um, you know, redirect some of those efforts and things like that, you know? So, um, so yeah, for right now, I mean, I think, I think I, in, in my mind, at least this is going to be at least a two year gig. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but if it goes longer, great, something else presents itself and that's fantastic too. So I yeah. think it'll be a year by year kind of evaluation. So, well, to give a continue to give a plug to CR Wiley here, for those who haven't read the book, man of the house, <laughs> I mean, Bo and I both uh, can say, a big thumbs up to that book and encourage you to go get it and read it because it is transformative in how you think about life and ministry. And if you're doing co-vocational ministry, if you're full-time as a pastor somewhere, it's really wise to be thinking through this kind of stuff because, you know, when you're wanting to finish well in ministry and that's every pastor wants to finish well, whenever that finishing time is formal retirement, 65, what we don't want is at 65 to look back and have, you know, uh, you know, ethical regret, regrets where we look back and there's massive sin. We don't want to be 65 and are, you know, barely married uh, with our kids hating us. And we don't want to have lived in a parsonage for the last 25 years and have zero equity. We don't want our finances to be a wreck. And so right. if we can get in the wisdom literature and understand how life works and get books like C.R. Wiley, we can save ourselves a lot of trouble. And, and this is through the leading the Holy Spirit, save ourselves a ton of trouble on down the road if we can make wise decisions financially right now. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that as well. So I've got, you know, part of the shepherd's crook is the idea is that, you know, if I can get 20 years working with churches and interviews and 
in talking to people and, and consulting churches about just healthy living as a pastor, then I'm hoping that two decades down the road when I'm 55 and 60, that it can develop into something that I'm helping people, but simultaneously I'm receiving remuneration for doing this work. And the burden on our church, I can take something like a, you know, 15% salary from my church, 25% salary from my church, because the transition time for, for our church, the, the crucial decade is going to be the fifties for me, not the sixties, because uh, my son's generations, when they're growing up, they're going to be in their mid twenties. They're going to be your age when I'm in my fifties, not in my sixties. Mm -hmm. And so if we wait, if I have to wait till I'm in my sixties to transition out of ministry, they're going to be in their thirties. They're going to be long gone. They're going to right. be serving at other churches or they're going to be the young leaders that have grown up in our church will be serving. So I'm hoping that this becomes something that is, is long-term it's, it's helpful for our family. And right now it's just a lot of fun talking with people, having interviews just like with this with you um, and, uh, and doing retreats and, and stuff like that. But I'm hoping it develops that it keeps, you know, it keeps growing. And then there's this other side, Yeg, I told you a little bit about before we started um, recording here that we're connected with me and a buddy of mine, this uh, well-off gentleman that has his got just a lot of irons in the fire and he's got these ice units, mobile ice units. You probably got those. Do you have those in California where they're just kind of block? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You go up, hit the button, pick the size bag you want and you get your ice. Yep. And, okay. So there's units like that and they, they make a decent amount of money for, for each you know unit and they require maintenance, re regular maintenance. So for $500 a month, I'm going to be, remunerated to go and just be a maintenance man on these. And it's going to be a marketable skill that I'll have to receive specific training for. Uh, and then hopefully I would like to buy some of those long-term to be able to get some that I own. Uh, and it may not work out, but I'm just trying to think that way. And I think this conversation we're having is crucial just to get guys kickstarted and thinking through, okay, what, what does it look like? What if, what if tomorrow because of the coronavirus, my job at my church uh, is <clears throat> gone, right? What am I going to do? Yep. And so now you have this, this degree as well, um, that you could do something. Have you thought about, you know, what's the degree again? It's like, it sounds like yeah, physical geography. It's yeah. Physical geography. So what, yeah. what is that one? And then if you had to, could you lean into that and do something with that as well? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the degree was mainly, you know, how the, how the world works, how the, the natural processes work together. Um, you know, so we had classes like uh, meteorology, we had classes like um, biogeography, how the, how the wildlife interacts with the, you know, the, the earth and um, just different types of stuff. We studied glaciers and just really figuring out how the world works and the different, okay. you know, earth systems and things like that, you know, and I haven't really put much thought into, you know, pursuing, you know, employment or anything like that. You know, it's fun to study, um, but I, at, at the time, and at least right now, I don't think I could to do a career in that, you know, there's, there's some opportunities. It's, it's kind of diverse to where you could, you know, work for, you know, a national park or a state park. Um, but there's also a computer program that's, you know, it's called GIS um, that cities use it. You know, it's a pretty, pretty marketable thing and pretty, pretty awesome thing, really a computer mm -hmm. program. So there's, there's some potential there for sure. Um, not something I really considered, you know, but maybe after this conversation, my eyes will be open. I'll say, Hey, maybe I can, you know, use some of my, you know, education for university and, you know, employ myself there or something. So, yeah. yeah. Well, now, if there's, if there's like real young guys listening to this, uh, I got my degree in youth ministry. And if I could do things over again, I'm thankful for the schooling that I received. And even though my, my schooling, my formal education wasn't the best, I went to a, a, a liberal Pentecostal school that thought it was, yeah. thought it was evangelical conservative. And yeah. uh, 
And so it was unique, but I got the best friendships and, and all the things that you get from college that, you know, go along with the education, you know, intramural memories and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but if I was to redo things, I always said I'd go, I'd be, I just become a barber. I'd go to like become a barber, open my own barber shop and, yeah. and be able to do something like that. But for you, for real young guys, it, there is so much wisdom in what older guys say about getting something. If you're going into ministry, getting something, you know, seminary can be a great thing. It's not for everybody. It's for a lot of people. Yeah. I think what denomination you're a part of, it's a requirement. Um, so not to in, in any way say seminary is bad or anything like that. But make sure with your, if you're going to go, go that route, that you get something that is marketable, that right. isn't going to be a waste of money. And it isn't going to be just something you look back on, shake your head and think, my gosh, I'm paying 70, how many thousands of dollars do I got to pay, pay this office degree? And I'm not making a dime with it. And so my degree was youth ministry and I've never used it. I've never been in youth ministry. It didn't really yep. prepare me for pastoral ministry at all. And so really I'm paying off my student loans still for a degree that's not marketable at all. I can't yeah. really do anything with it. And so- yep. Um, you know, for guys that are 18, 19, you know, early twenties, you know, do something that that's good. Forget doing what you really love doing. Forget that. Yeah, do, something, right. do something that's marketable yep. and then do what you really love on the side mm -hmm. until you can actually make money with that. Uh, do something that you can make money that will fuel what you enjoy. And then if, if what you really enjoy becomes something that's marketable, that's profitable, then you can give up your job and go out and do that. But don't just do something you love uh, and go to school for that because you'll end up wasting a lot of money. What do you think, Bo? Agree? Disagree? Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. You know, De uh, Prager University, are you familiar with those videos? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, Prager University has this video with Mike Rowe. He's talking about the, the, the exact thing. You know, sometimes your That's dream really job. Yeah, sometimes your dream job is, this, is just that. It's a dream. Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe you should reevaluate, you know, what your quote unquote dream job is and, you know, try to live, you know, in reality. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is something I've actually been really, really trying to talk to my youngest brother about. Like I said, he's 17 years old. Um, I, he doesn't really have aspirations for ministry, you know, but I've really been challenging, you know, trying to have him challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. You know, because when I was in high school, it seems like the line that I was fed was, you know, work hard in school to get a good grade so that you can get a good ACT or, S or SAT score, so that you can get, go to a four-year university, so you can get a good degree, and then get a good job and make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I'm really encouraging him to, to push against that and just trying to help him to see that there are other options out there. Mm -hmm. I feel like even, even, even though I grew up in a very rural community, you know, the, the hometown and the, the place where I went to high school, we had like 1,200, the, the population was 1,200 people. Well, very rural. But at the same time, I, I don't remember a whole lot of, you know, um, alternatives to the four-year track university, mm -hmm. you know, so whether that's, you know, reevaluate, maybe trade school is the way to go. And get um, paid not, for your not, apprenticeship rather than apprenticeship paying and, for school, exactly. you can get paid for your apprenticeship. Exactly. You know, if, if, if car, if you have a, 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 an interest in cars, you know, you can go and get a certification in nine months, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't take that long or maybe a community college or, or a junior college, you know. Um, I think that the, the four-year university, they just, they just, they really just sell you on an experience, mm -hmm. not so much an education. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm thankful that I went to the four-year university. I had a lot of, uh, a lot of good um, friends that I made, mm -hmm. you know, but looking back, I, I, I have to wonder, you know, how much more money could I have now yeah. um, you know, <laughs> with the same level of education? Yeah. You know I mean, my, my, my wife's the same way she came um, from Indiana, you know, to Colorado paying out of state tuition for four years, mm -hmm. you know, wow. and no one really challenged her on that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so just kind of pushing back against um, some of those, some of those um, status quo uh, four-year university track, pushing out, pushing back against that. And I think what you said was, was exactly right. M making yourself marketable mm -hmm. so you have skills that can be transferred um, from one uh, place to another, whether it's, you know, the skills that I have, you know, building, you know, I can do concrete, I can do drywall, I can do framing mm -hmm. or whether you're, you know, not inclined that way, that's fine. You know, just something that you can market yourself and make yourself um, useful for, for different, different places. Um, I think is, is really valuable. So yeah, it's good. Now there is a great podcast. I'm, I love micro. I'm glad you dropped his name two or three years ago. He was inter interviewed by Brett McKay on the art of manliness. And if yeah. people, I'll try to put this in the show notes. I always think about things to put in the show notes and then forget to do it. So why don't you just pull up your phone listener and after this go check out, just Google micro art of manliness. And there is an incredible interview that he has with Brett McKay about the things we're talking about right here. And it's just, it's fascinating stuff. So you got to challenge that narrative. There's so, there's so many narratives right now that need to be challenged yeah, in so our true. world. Oh yeah. man. Um, you know, I think we could go on talking about a lot more stuff. I'm interested in how your education and then your the world, Christian worldview, how that informs your, your formal education. But I think that'll be for a conversation for another day. Yeah. I think we got a lot, a lot of food for thought for people. Is there any final things that you would think, you know, most of my listeners are kind of like, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, but a lot of my listeners are in their twenties and in pastoral ministry and associate pastor ministry. Um, specifically, if they want to learn more, I just threw out a source, my micro and art of manliness where we, we talked about CR Wiley man of the house. Is there anything else that you'd say, Hey, you need to check this out, read this. This could be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, um, nothing's really coming to mind right now, you know, okay. um, you know, but I would say one of the things that I do, you know, on my social media, I follow a lot of guys who are involved in construction or do some type of trade, you know, and it's just cool. You know, you mm -hmm. get ideas. Um, so whether, whether, whatever your thing is, you know, whether it's it and computers and coding, maybe that's your thing, you know, just start to branch out, um, start yeah. to, you know, expand your world, try to find, some other, you know, influences, some um, inspirations and things like that. But I, I would definitely say we've dropped it several times, man of the house, C.R. Wiley. Yep. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I think that he, in that book, I think he says, you know, to, to really kind of begin this, this household idea, begin this productive property, you know, it really takes, you know, creativity. Mm -hmm. um, it really does. You know, I mean, how, how many of us think that there's a maintenance guy who comes and fixes those ice machines? You know, yeah, no one really right. thinks about that, but someone keeps those running. You know, mm -hmm. so I would just encourage those who are interested in, you know, some, start, start starting something on the side to just be creative, to, to open your eyes and just try to look around and think like somebody made this, you know, mm -hmm. somebody fixes this, somebody, you know, puts this product or this good or, or this service out there. You know, mm -hmm. why can't I do the same? That's and good. I think that that's really been helpful for me just trying to, to be creative, to have my eyes open um, and look for places to, yeah, just try to bring in more income to try and, uh, um, yeah, so that's good. It's good. Okay, Bo, Bo, I ask everybody this. Tell me, tell me to end this show today. Tell me why you love Jesus so much. Why do I love Jesus so much? Well, um, he is the Lord of my life. Um, he created me. Uh, he saved me. He sustains me to this day. Um, he purchased my soul. He redeemed me on the cross and through his resurrection. Um, he cares for me so much that he's, he's patient with my sins. He's long-suffering towards me. Um, but he's also fascinating. I mean, he's just fascinating. I think the thing in, in, at least lately, you know, especially when I think about some of the stuff that I've been involved in with, with building and carpentry, you know, Jesus was a real guy, you know, he was a real man. 
Um, and he was a worker, he was a builder, you know, and I think about some of those days when I, when I walk away from the construction site and I'm tired or, you know, maybe I had a bad day, you know, and my mouth was a little, not as sanctified as I like it to be. <laughs> my hands are, are hurting because they got injured, you know, walking away and thinking that the Lord of the universe did some of those same things. Mm. That's just amazing to me. Cool. You know, it's just fascinating to me, you know, so. Um, he's my Lord. He's the shepherd of my soul. Um, and he's worthy of, of everything I am. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. I think this is going to be helpful to, to the guys that listen, the people who listen, and I just appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for letting me be here. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit the shepherdscrook.co for care and counsel. Please call text or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.